All right, Bulldog fans, welcome to the Ref Show. Oh, wait, no, that was Wednesday night. My bad. Let's try that again. Welcome to the Drake Basketball Podcast. Going into the Southern Illinois game, the big story was Connor Enright's illness, which combined with Colby Garland's knee injury meant that the nation's second leading scorer, Xavier Johnson, wouldn't be playing against either of the primary defenders that held him in check last time Drake matched up against the Salukis. Xavier Johnson took full advantage, going 14 for 28 from the field for a total of 35 points before Drake ultimately took down the Salukis in overtime, 92-88. Eduardo, give me your gut reaction to this game. Overall, I would say just really pleased that Drake was able to really just gut out a win. I think we saw how valuable Connor and Kobe's defense is for this team because dealing with someone like Xavier Johnson all night is just not fun. And we said it earlier in the week, you know, the way Southern Illinois could win this game was hitting threes and Xavier Johnson going off. And that's kind of what they did. I mean, they definitely hit more threes than Drake and, and Xavier had a great game, but a gutsy win for Drake. You know, when you look through the box score, not a lot of things that went our way and they still managed to to pull it out. Yeah. And a lot of that credit goes to two guys who've haven't been averaging a ton of minutes, but stepped up big in this one. You've got Kyron Gibson, who averages about 15 minutes a game and played 38 in this one. And then you have Carlos Rosario, who played 20 minutes this game, going two of two from the floor, three of three from the line with five rebounds. So, I mean, both of those guys gave us a huge boost. Kyron, it's hard to overstate his impact in this game. Put up 12 points, two of three from three. And obviously late in the game came up with two huge game-saving steals against Xavier Johnson. Yeah, he really competed. You know, I've I've always liked Kyron's game. Last night he was thrust into into starting duty and he did a good job. Once again, I mean, I guess one thing that we should address is I don't like our insistence with not doubling not trying to switch our uh, defensive matchups because it kind of really was Kyron on on Xavier Johnson most of the game kind of on an island and then towards the end of the second half and even in overtime I mean Southern Illinois they were just high ball screen and Xavier was going downhill and we had no answer so I was a little bit frustrated with that you know we kind of saw it a little bit against Missouri State in that game but Kyron competed. Yeah, I know he had 35 points. Uh, once again, we did a really good job of keeping him off the free throw line, believe it or not, just four free throws for a guy that shoots 10 a game, essentially. But he got in a good rhythm and he he played great. But but like you said, I mean, when you're shorthanded, you're going to have others that have to step up and, and Kyron and Carlos Rosario and and just more minutes from Brody and Nate. I mean, everyone stepped up and nice to see Adden had a a pretty good scoring game. I know we talked about him in the last game, so that always helps. And and even though Tucker turned the ball over way too much for his standards on Wednesday night, still just clutch uh, coming through when we needed him and, and just being aggressive and, and getting to the free throw line was huge for Drake. Yeah, Tucker ended up with 27 points, but Brian Mullins actually made a really good move putting Xavier Johnson on him in the second half because he slowed Tucker down a ton. 
I mean, before he started cosplaying as Michael Jordan, people forget that Xavier Johnson was all Valley defensive team. And despite being just 6'1", his strength and his quickness and his reach was really effective at bottling up Tucker in the second half. I mean, he scored 10 at the line, but Tucker didn't score his first field goal until there were 19 seconds left in regulation, which is just insane to think about. Oh, absolutely. And and you're right. It's it was kind of a, a throwback game for Xavier Johnson. It's it's weird to think about this guy was their defensive stopper, best defender, just role player last year and now this year it's hey just go out and be one of the best scorers in the nation so yeah xavier johnson can definitely defend and you know they they were doing a good job of getting tucker sometimes to kind of be a little bit out of control and kind of driving too much into guys so he had a couple offensive fouls a couple bad turnovers so they, they definitely baited him into some of that one thing that stood out looking at the box score drake only shot 10 threes. I mean, I know some of that was Drake trying to drive the ball and trying to take advantage of its size, but only shooting 10 threes, really low number. Um, so that must have been a point of emphasis for from Southern Illinois of trying to limit the three-point line for Drake. I mean, all credit to Southern Illinois in terms of their defense. But one thing that kind of bugged me watching it on TV was they kept talking about the drop in the number of total assists for Drake in this game. And they were attributing it to wow, yeah, Southern Illinois has made some huge defensive adjustments because Drake's not getting anywhere close to the number of assists that they got the first matchup. And it's like, yes, and we are playing without our starting point guard and backup point guard. You take any offense, you remove the two primary ball handlers, you're going to get less efficiency. The ball movement's going to drop. I mean, I'm sure Southern Illinois made some defensive adjustments and did a good job with that, but our two primary ball handlers weren't in the game. Anyways, that's just me ranting. Yeah, and Drake, another reason why you have less assists, you know, when you shoot 40 free throws, that's a lot less field goals that you're even actually attempting. Um, so I'm sure the Salukis had a gripe with Drake being plus 18 uh, on the free throw line. It was a weirdly officiated game. I, I'll say that, you know, at times calling a lot of contact, at times not ca- calling enough contact. I thought, for example, towards the end of regulation, I thought Xavier Johnson got Brody to foul out twice <laughs> without without getting the foul call. Uh, but then similarly, you know, Tucker comes down and he puts his shoulder down a little bit and then they call an offensive foul. So it just didn't it didn't have a good flow. I feel like that's fair to say that the game didn't have a good flow. And a lot of the times that has to do with the officials. Uh, did you want to touch on just kind of the final sequence of second half and then overtime as well for Drake to pull out with the four-point win? Well, first, to your point about the refereeing, that was a bizarrely officiated game. Kelly Self and crew, I'm not sure what they were doing. (laughs) I mean, they called 46 fouls over the course of regulation in OT, which is a little over a foul a minute. But I couldn't get a barometer on whether or not they were calling everything or nothing. Because, I mean, if you look at one sequence in particular, at the end of OT when Kyron Gibson poked the ball loose from Xavier Johnson and then dove on top of it. Xavier Johnson then jumped on top of him, at which point Kelly Self immediately called a held ball. And it's funny because if you slow down and watch the replay, you can see that Johnson has one hand planted on the floor holding himself up and one hand that's maybe in the general vicinity of the ball, while Kyron has both hands on the ball in full possession. 
And so I could have seen him calling a foul on Xavier for coming over his back there or just letting it play out. But instead, he blew the whistle and called the one thing that it wasn't, which was a jump ball. So that gave Southern Illinois the ball back yes, at 1.5, the- I think. And it gave them a chance to tie or win the game. <laughs> Right. Very bizarre. 100%. I mean, that was a a very strange sequence. So first off, Drake did a great job defending that entire sequence. First, forcing Xavier to start really far back. Then uh, Kyron pucks it, appears to have full control of the ball. Refs decide, nope, even though nobody else is around the ball, we're just going to call a jump ball and possession arrow to Southern Illinois. But then again, give Drake credit because uh, then they forced a what I thought was a very clear five second call, uh, which obviously Southern Illinois did not agree with. But essentially three really good defensive plays back to back to back. And that was the difference in the end uh, in overtime. Uh, also, shout out to Tucker for getting the game tying bucket late in regulation and i also thought xavier johnson kind of bailed us out a little bit because he had been driving downhill the entire second half and for some reason decided to settle for a 16 foot jumper on the last possession Um, so that was that was good because i thought for sure we were going to foul him and he was going to go at least to shoot free throws at the end of regulation that one was weird too because he was begging for a foul there and so was the southern illinois bench and again i took that play put it on slow-mo rewind nobody touches him on the jumper he just flails hoping to draw something and they were lobbying hard for a call on that one but in the end uh drake prevailed so again good to see we talked about you know what was going to be the emotional letdown after indiana state and this was not an easy game. Maybe in a way it was it was good that you were still playing a quality opponent and that you were a little bit shorthanded. So you had to be on full alert. We haven't talked too much about Brody, but I thought, again, he responded kind of similar after he had a bad performance against Belmont. 18 points, eight rebounds, somehow didn't foul out, even though he seemed to uh, create a lot of contact there, uh, especially in the last five, six minutes of the game. But yeah, good Brody game. Another good performance, I thought, from Kevin Overton. Only eight points, but again, did his job. And man, does he soak up minutes. I I can't believe how much we play a guy that's a true freshman. But Yeah, it's nuts. And Kale also took on uh, Johnson for stretches and guarding. He had him for maybe the last three or four minutes of the first half, and he did a really nice job on him. Caused a turnover, forced an air ball. I'm guessing DeVries probably like just doesn't want to expend all of his energy trying to chase him around for the length of the game and prefers that guard look on him. But good job on Johnson on the stretches that he was on him. Well, he listens to the Drake Basketball Podcast because you know we've been calling for that. We've been calling for for KO on on guard. So hopefully that's something that maybe he can break out more in stretches uh, in the in the MVC tournament. Anything else stood out from the box score from any other player performances? I already mentioned Rosario, but I just want to say again that I think his length and his athleticism gives us an element that we don't have when he's not on the floor and that we don't really see as much over the rest of the roster. Because it's like, obviously, he's still very young. He's a skinny dude. But just his length gives him the opportunity to make some plays that otherwise don't get made. I mean, two of his baskets came just on him getting to the rim and then jumping up over guys and tipping the ball in. and. That's something that if you have a guy who doesn't quite have that rangy and athleticism that 
you don't maybe get those buckets. You know we're big fans of uh, of Rosario. I, I feel like DBP is still championing uh, that bandwagon. So good to see him get plenty of minutes again. And like you said, very impactful. Seven points, five rebounds in 20 minutes. Just felt like he was being active and, and just leaving his mark on the game. Also, if you had predicted this lineup coming into the game, I just want to give you credit for being an unparalleled ball knower. I had no idea that we had the Darnell Brody, Eric Northweather, Carlos Rosario, Kevin Overton, Kyron Gibson lineup planned for this game. But lo and behold, a few minutes before half, coach broke it out. I love it. I love it. It's like the best of both worlds. It's like our lineup with the most girth and also the most length. So just size all over. That might be the tallest lineup that we've had collectively as a DeVries team in his tenure at Drake. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got what? 6'10", 6'10", 6'7", 6'6". Yeah. How long were they in there? Like a minute 30 or a minute? So was it was like a very a short minute. minute. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, Eric Northweather came in for Tucker. He had, I think, something on his jersey or something. So coach decided to go with, you know, another shooter and put in Northweather for some height as well. But like anyways, that. coming off of this game, Drake has now won. Nine of the last 10 against the Egyptian hunting dogs. And as a result of Bradley's loss to Evansville, now holds sole possession of second place. While Southern Illinois slides into a two-way tie for fourth with Northern Iowa. And speaking of Bradley, guess who's next up on the schedule, Eduardo? Our favorite Bradley Braves. We meet again. Yes, sir. The Braves are 17-7 and seven overall, 9-4 and four in conference and currently holds sole possession of third place, exactly one game behind the Bulldogs. Bradley opened up the season 6-0 and with wins over UAB and top 25 Utah State before suffering an injury to their starting point guard, Connor Hickman. The Braves proceeded to lose their next five games during his absence before winning 11 of the next 13 when he returned. Bradley is coming into this game following a loss on the road to a resurgent Evansville team who now has won their last four games following the return of their leading scorer, Ben Humicris. But Drake fans will see some familiar faces on this year's team. The Braves return guard Connor Hickman, Duke Dean, power forward Darius Hanna, the Valley's defensive player of the year, Malavai Leons, and reserve guard from last season, Christian Davis. They also have some key newcomers, including 6'8 Icelandic freshman Almer Atlason and freshman guard Demarion Birch. So, Eduardo, uh, in your prep work for Bradley, what pops off the page for you? Uh, I think what pops off the most or what stood out the most is how much Bradley kind of does it by committee, right? Connor Hickman, Malvi Leons, Duke Dean, and Darius Hanna, all double-digit scorers. Um, so all, all four of those guys have the potential to to score anywhere from 10 to 20 in a game pretty easily. So I think from that standpoint, from a defensive game plan, it's, it's interesting because you almost have to kind of take everything possession by possession and that's how Bradley plays, right? You know, they're not a team that typically will blow you out of the water. You know, they're kind of methodical in, in how they execute. I think Connor Higman really is their X factor, though. I mean, I think he's the guy that when he's shooting well and playing well, uh, kind of really elevates uh, the team. 
Uh, so that's probably the guy that I would point to on the guy that Drake has to control the most. Uh, I feel good about the Kevin Overton on Malavai Leon's uh, matchup. I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. And then very curious to see Darius Hanna against Brody because that's just kind of a funny matchup, right? Like we've gotten so used to Rink Mass versus Brody, but I think this time around it would be Darius Hanna, I believe, unless uh, they're trying to to do something different um, with their starting lineup. So you think they're going to put Leon's on Overton? No, I meant Overton on Leon's. I meant Drake's defensive side of the equation. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if they put uh, Malavai on, on Kevin Overton. Uh, I think Tucker would kind of uh, feast on whoever was trying to guard him. And Tucker, you know, to his credit, last year, I think he adjusted really well, obviously, to that NBC championship game and just really did a much better job against Malavai on driving the ball, going to the mid-range, kind of not settling for jumpers. So that has to be the same mindset this time around of don't settle, you know, don't let Malavai kind of take away your airspace and just drive the ball. Yeah, it'll be interesting psychologically looking at this matchup because obviously both teams will be remembering last year's championship game, which, if you don't remember, was a 77-51 to 51 blowout in St. Louis, which destroyed Bradley's hopes of an NCAA tournament and condemned them to a summer of angry lectures from Brian Wardle. Um, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the players try to adjust. No, no. I mean, between the shirts with scores um, that Brian Wardle likes to go to as motivation and and other stuff, I, I can't imagine that be that be a lot of fun. Uh, what stands out to you on things to look out for with the Bradley Braves? Yeah, like you, I think a lot of it comes down to how Drake handles Connor Hickman. Because as he goes, so do the Braves. His absence with his injury made it very apparent how important he is to their team. I sort of see him as their Roman pen from last year and the way that he can both distribute and score. He knocks the ball down from deep in a pretty good clip. But so does the entire team. I was looking at stats for this, and Bradley is ranked 26 nationally in three-point percentage at 37% per game from distance. So Drake is going to have to lock in at the three-point line like they did against Indiana State, make sure they don't get any open looks from out there. It's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, and they shoot a really good percentage, like you said, but they also don't shoot a crazy amount, which tells you, you know, when they're shooting them, they're generally good looks, you know, good ball movement. They're not forcing threes. So yeah, they definitely can score the ball. And we've always known, I mean, Bradley, they defend, they're going to keep things tight. So it's going to be a tough game. You mentioned Bradley is always going to get up for Drake. Obviously, the the motivation of the championship loss uh, last year will still be there. And then you look at the Evansville loss and you'd have to assume that mentally that's just another thing that probably puts more pressure on you. So I guess you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, well, after the Evansville loss, they're going to be pressing a little bit and, and maybe not playing so fast and easy as they have been these last few weeks. And it might be more, okay, like we really have to get a win and, and you're kind of tight. Or it can just be the right kind of motivation. Like, hey, we, we cannot afford to drop two in a row, and especially against a team that 
that ended our season just what was it uh oh whew, i was gonna say just six months ago what am i talking about almost a year ago man it's gone by fast yeah I don't know if this is the case for the players, but the fans definitely seem to view Drake with a mixture of hate and jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) So they're always going to be extremely fired up to play Drake. I would assume this is going to be a sellout. I saw they're already doing promos for it, giving away tickets. I think it'll probably be a full house. You can very much expect this Bradley team is going to come out firing on all cylinders. And I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind when playing Bradley is that no matter how big of a run you make, they will almost always come back because they've been down 15 to 20 points multiple times this season, and they've come back to win several of them. They've only lost one game by double digits, and that was at Akron during their stretch without Connor Hickman. Brian Wardle prides himself on you know, his team's never quitting, no matter how dire the circumstances as alleged by a former player during his tenure at Wisconsin Green Bay, who claimed that Brian Wardle made him work out until he lost control of his bowels and then proceeded to ridicule him. So that's commitment. You know, you got to go not on Wardle's watch. He will not have it. (laughs) I'm just curious, though. As far as X factors, do you think that Marion Ellis uh, will have a big impact in this game for the Bradley Braves? (laughs) I mean, I know in the offseason, I was told, you know, I mean, Marion Ellis, obviously better player than Tucker DeVries. Their transfer, Trey Pettigrew from Nevada, was just going to tear the league up. Unfortunately, Eduardo, I don't know how to break the news to you, but Marion quit the team, and so did Trey Pettigrew. Oh, so, no. Who could have known that? This is for, breaking news. Fortunately for, us, <laughs> fortunately for us Bulldog fans, we won't have to face those two NBA caliber players. Oh, it's it's just funny from a, a Twitter arguments uh, standpoint, how much we had to hear about these two guys the past six months and then, you know, to not even be on the team anymore. Uh, just just bizarre, but just kind of shows you how much, you know, I think Wardo's pretty serious, as you just outlined with your story on culture <laughs> and like what his expectations are. I think he runs a pretty tight ship. Um, yeah. I mean, Dave Dave Reynolds, the Bradley Beat reporter for 30 years, was temporarily banned from covering the team by Wardle because he said he wasn't doing enough to promote the brand. I hope our listeners understand that these are all true factual stories. I know they sound very exaggerated, but all of these things have actually happened, believe it or not. And as much as we enjoy making fun of Bradley just because they're semi-goofy Twitter fans... This is a very, very good team, and playing them on the road, it's going to be very tough. No, it sucks. I said it last week. I felt like this was a game that Drake was very likely going to drop. Bradley has always been a tough place for us to play in. Uh, But as I said, I felt very encouraged by how we performed on the road against Indiana State, and I felt like I think we are going to win this game. Just seeing how the team has responded this past week, I feel better about that than I did just a few weeks ago even but it's going to be a heck of a battle and and like you said it's most likely going to be sold out it's going to be very electric can't remember the last time we won uh in peoria we'd have to go back and look it's been a while because even when we went to the tournament with uh the joe yesifu uh, juggernaut that we were i know we also lost that last game of the regular season at bradley so and that was a bad be, bradley team that yeah. was a bad bradley team it was. So it has to be at least, what, four or five years, maybe? 
yeah, let us know if you're listening and you have the the info because Eduardo and I are shooting from the hip right now. Yeah, I know we've lost the last couple at least, and they they've had our number in Peoria. We've had their number at in Des Moines, and certainly everywhere uh, else. Yeah, every other location uh, we've done. <laughs> pretty well against against Bradley but but again as Tucker said it's just funny to talk about Bradley because their fans just talk a large amount of crap on Twitter that is not usually uh, doesn't correlate with how good their team is <laughs> they talk a lot of junk but in all seriousness their team is really good I think definitely have proven to be the, the third best team in the valley and you're coming to their home after embarrassing them uh, last year so you can expect Bradley to be super fired up and their entire game plan is going to be how do you slow down Tucker DeBreeze and how do you not let Drake get into their rhythm? Because that's that's always the battle. It's definitely a battle of who can establish their style of play better and whoever does is usually the team that wins. And when we establish it, that definitely means good offense, good ball movement, pushing the ball. And then that's why we've had, you know, these blowout wins. And when they establish it, it's kind of more the grind it out, execute to death. And, you know, you come out losing by eight, 10 points. Yeah. And I do think we need a healthy Connor right to win this one on the road. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'm I'm trying to block out in my mind that Connor, there's probably a, a good chance that Connor's not available. I agree with their guard play. Duke Dean can catch fire too. He's a really streaky shooter. So with their combination of shooting and, and playmaking, you definitely need Connor. I'm assuming Garland's not going to be ready to go either. Um, I don't think I've seen an update from, from Coach DeBreeze. I don't know if you have. Uh, so you got to assume we won't have at least one of those two on Saturday. Yeah, and Drake is notoriously private about their injuries and progress. So from what I've heard, it sounds like he has a sprained knee and is hopefully expected to be back before the end of the season, but I have no idea when. And that's just based on speculation I've heard from other fans. But yeah, I think defensively, we'll need Connor on Hickman. Duke Dean is only about 5'8", so Atten is going to have a five-inch height advantage on him. And especially with as physical as Atten can be driving to the hoop sometimes, I think there's a big opportunity for him to have a great game against Bradley. If they try to have Duke Dean guarding him on his own, on an island, I think Atten can take him to the rim. Like Dean is very quick, but he does not have the strength or the height to stop Atten from getting the ball inside. Yeah, that's a good call. I think Gadden can have a big game and Drake definitely needs it for sure. Well, you got anything else for the Braves? I just really hope we win. I I feel good about our squad. I think this this has real potential to be our our best road win of the year. And we just got to come out focused and execute. I mean, sounds simple, but much harder to do on on the road and and goes without saying that you need Tucker to be Tucker. We put a lot on his plate, uh, but he's he's been responding and, and he needs to keep being the playmaker that he's turning into and, and continue to run the show for us. Absolutely. Tucker's game going toward the basket has really improved recently. He's stopped settling for outside shots and he's gotten a lot better at taking guys to the hoop, whether that's all the way to the rim or pulling up for floaters. It's been great, and if he can continue doing that for the rest of the year, we're going to have a very, very successful spring. I agree. And also need Brody to 
to take advantage of his weight advantage on Darius Hanna. I mean, without looking it up, like a hundred pounds would not be an exaggeration, is it? I mean, Darius, <laughs> like, like I'm being I'm being completely serious. Like Darius Hanna is a very skinny kid. Am, am I going to have to pretty... go tail of the tape and and look this up? I think your memory is caricaturing him a bit. I do not think Darius Hanna is, you know, 6'9", 175. <laughs> okay, well, I can tell you that Brody is 6'10", 275. So I, I need you to, to vamp a little bit here while I uh, pull, I pull up our good well, friend Darius Hanna's. Here, hold on, our, our intern is pulling up his information for me. Wow, it's not as far off as you would think. Darius Hanna standing 6'9", 205 pounds. Man. I mean, like, I've weighed that much, and I'm 6'4". I'm telling you, he's really skinny. Okay, so okay, so I was off 30 pounds. I feel like he's lying about that 205. He's probably 198. I'm just, you I'm just saying. Is. Yeah, he had to claim that he was 205 just as a point of pride. But he's very athletic. Uh, he can jump out of the gym, but he is built like a twig. So I'd love to see us continue to get Darnell the ball deeper in the post and I know teams work hard to stop him from getting the ball there but it seems like when we get him the ball deep it just makes it so much easier for him because when you looked at Southern Illinois yesterday we were giving Brody the ball around the free throw line and they had adjusted from how they defended it in the first matchup they were just dropping Rupert or Abube they were just dropping them straight, almost down completely under the basket. Because they're like, well, this guy's not doing anything at the free throw line. So we're just going to give him five feet. Right. Um, and so I love having Brody, you know, establish the offense up there. But I'd also like to see us try to get him into some more traditional post-up spots when he has a defender this skinny trying to play defense on him. Yeah. And Darius Hanna making fun of how skinny he is but like he can jump out of the out of the building (laughs) that's the thing that like why it makes it such a funny matchup because he will challenge every shot from Brody if it's not you know like a dunk or something so close to the hoop so it'll be a funny matchup because hey Darius has the length the hops and Brody has the body so it'll be it'll be a funny matchup well Whatever happens, I'm excited for Saturday. I think this is going to be a great game. Eduardo, do you have a prediction for score on this one? Oh, I am going to go. I'll go Drake, 76, Bradley, 70. If we have Connor, I have us winning 74-72. I can't believe Duke Dean misses that shot at the end. Well, he actually, he makes it. But he gets oh. it off late, so it doesn't oh. count. <laughs> oh, okay. Too soon. Too soon. That's what happened in the uh, Evansville-Bradley game for for our listeners. Which, by the way, since we're talking about the Evansville game, the Drake Basketball Podcast correctly predicted on uh, on our Twitter messages that Evansville would pull out the uh, upset over Bradley. They're being nine and a half point dogs at home. Yep. Good call on that one, Eduardo. Looking like a Nostradamus. I know. But yeah, it'll it, the Connor thing definitely feel, feels like has to be a disclaimer. If Connor doesn't play, it'll definitely change the dynamic and it and we win only if Tucker has like a, you know, 34 point performance or something like that. He'll have to go Xavier Johnson if Connor's not there. Exactly. Exactly. But anyways, until then, let's go dogs.
Go dogs. <laughs>